Welcome to the podcast of Euless First United Methodist Church. Thank you for listening. We would love to have you worship with us in person. These messages come from our worship services Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11. We worship at 106 North Main Street in Euless, between Airport Freeway and Highway 10. May you feel the presence of God and may God bless you as you listen. All right, so we're coming to the end of our Focus on the Bible sermons here. We started with the, at the beginning of this year, and uh, honestly, I thought at first it might just go through January, but we're going through all the Sundays in February, so we're going to finish up next week. We, we started with looking at Scripture in the Scriptures, and then uh, Rachel shared a great message about her relationship with the Bible, and then I said last week I was going to do these three weeks on familiar scriptures. So last week we did the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You all know that. Next week we're going to do Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. You're familiar with that very likely. This week I, I had to come to grips with everybody might not be real familiar, as familiar with this, with, uh, with what Karen read the intro of. It's from the Sermon on the Mount, but it's the section, and I think it's important for us in dealing with the scriptures. We started with Luke 4, beginning of January, about Jesus and the Bible and how Jesus reads Scripture. But I thought it was important to go back to that in terms of this section of the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus does this this pattern of, he does six times, he says, you've heard that it was said, but I say to you. And sometimes we as Christians have a a tendency because there's some things in the Old Testament that are kind of hard to, to deal with, they're hard to figure out. And sometimes, honestly, we have a tendency to say, well, it's all right. We got Jesus. We don't need the Old Testament. But, you know, Jesus started today's reading with, don't even begin to think that I have come to do away with the law and the prophets. So I want to invite you into a way that I think Jesus wants to help us read and understand or read and hear the law and the prophets in ways that help us follow Jesus. And I want to start that by confessing to you or sharing with you a story that the mind wanders. And that always takes me to one particular time when, I don't remember exactly where or where I was, but I remember getting transfixed on having to know how long it would take to drink a swimming pool dry with a straw. I remember that it was approximately 32 years ago. And I remember having this, this joyous experience as I, as I did the math. And I, I, I was trying to figure all this in my head. So I regret to tell you now, I don't have my final answer for you right now. I'm not sure if I got to my final answer. But I spent a lot of mental energy on it. And I enjoyed uh, just, you know, approximating how much water one could drink from a straw per minute, because that's where you have to start. I mean, let's face it. And then I enjoyed thinking about, okay, I got to calculate, I got to leave space in there for bathroom breaks because it's a swimming pool. Now, I did not account for displacement because in my imagination, I was drinking the swimming pool dry, laying on a float. I also did not imagine an Olympic-sized pool, but I was really excited to figure out that no matter what shape or size the pool, I 
had the ability from the math that I had in high school to calculate the volume of any pool and thus figure out how long it would take to drink it dry with a straw. So, two main takeaways from that. One, yes, you will use math later in life. I remember asking every math teacher I ever had at some point in the year, are you sure we're going to use this sometime? Obviously, yes, because you might just wonder how long it would take to drink a swimming pool dry with a straw. You can't do that without math, folks. But even more important than that, number two, I can't think of that without thinking, man, do minds wander. And I have to believe that it's not just my mind that wanders, but all our minds wander, and I have to believe that. Otherwise, what's happening to my children is all my fault. Now, a lot of what it a lot of my children are my fault. But this, one of my children, I'm proud to tell you, was asked by their teacher, I use the gender neutral pronoun intentionally here, one of my children was asked by their teacher to help pick up the floor and said child responded to the teacher, we can't pick up the floor, it's way too heavy. And in case my other child is feeling left out from this story, we have in our house absolutely developed the necessity or recognized the necessity to tell our children when it's time to brush your teeth, to brush your teeth with toothpaste because you might think it's understood. My children and I suppose attorneys would not assume that that's just understood. I, I, I throw attorneys in there, maybe under the bus, not having consulted with any attorneys. So no single attorney or group of attorneys has been harmed in this sermon, nor have I consulted with any attorney or groups of attorneys as far as clarification on making these claims about attorneys. So I hope I'm covered. I did get close enough to, to the work of producing legalese, I'll say it that way, that I learned that the point of legalese, a, a point of legalese is to craft words so that every relevant condition or option that needs to be included in whatever matters before you is included. You don't leave anything to chance. And it just reads to most of us like, there's way too many words in here. Except that most of us are the kind of people that if the words aren't in there, our minds wander so we fill in the gaps. Am I right? We fill in the gaps. In fact, I heard from one of, our, one of the people in this church this week told me this story, unsolicited, didn't know I was doing this this Sunday, said, you know, when, when this person and their two siblings were all teenagers and their parents went out for the night, they got the instructions. You probably got similar instructions when you were a teenager. What are the instructions the time this person shared was no parties in the house while we're gone. They didn't say no parties on the roof. So those children, I know, somebody said backyard. See, you were that kind of kid. Brush your teeth with toothpaste. We wonder because our minds wander, especially when we're not given all the information. 
we have to fill it in. And sometimes when it comes to things like the scriptures and things God tells us to do or tells us not to do, sometimes there's a lot left out and we have to fill it in. So how do you fill it in when not according to the scriptures, but when, for instance, you might wonder exactly how far over the speed limit can I go in this municipality and not worry about a law enforcement officer seeing me? You've wondered that. You might have wondered, hopefully when you were younger, okay, do I really have to put toothpaste on my toothbrush to brush my teeth? Because nobody said that. You might have wondered, um, how many times a month do I have to go to church to get credit from God? You might have wondered, do I have to give something in the offering to receive the blessings God has for me? You might have wondered, Okay, you might have wondered. But if I take this person's life, is it justifiable homicide? That's where Jesus starts with us in this section, where six times in Matthew 5, he gives us this. You've heard that it was said, but I say to you. And he does this right after he clarifies, I'm not here to abolish the law. I'm here fulfill them. And then he goes into these. You've heard that it was said, don't commit murder. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. How many of you commit a murder? You don't have to show your hands. It's a rhetorical question. Okay. Probably very few. How many of you have been angry with your brother or sister? Okay. Yeah, we can all show our hands on that. And if you're an only child, this is metaphorical brother or sister. Okay. You get the point. I'm not going to ask for hands on the rest of these. You've heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you, every time a man looks at a woman lustfully, he's already committed adultery in in his heart. It was said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. It was said, don't make a false, solemn pledge. You should have to follow through on. But I say to you, don't pledge at all. Just let your yes be yes and your no be yet no. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, you must not oppose those who want to hurt you. You've heard that it was said, you must love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who harass you. Now, it's interesting that that's the sixth and final one because you've heard that love your neighbor as yourself part. It's back here. It's that whole, you must love your neighbor and hate your enemy That's not quite so clear back here. That's where somebody's mind had wandered and filled in the gaps in ways that the Torah or the instruction in the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament left gaps. So Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is helping us find ways to fill in the gaps, recognizing that the ways we tend to fill in gaps in things like scriptures and commands from God are ways that tend to favor us and not the other. And so Jesus offers examples of filling in the gaps in ways that are not letting the other off the hook, but they help us focus on what the intent 
of the law or the instruction was anyway. And it's clear several times through the prophets, we get a clear message that even before Jesus' actual day, that God's, God was frustrated with God's people because God's people back then would develop this habit of making up things or interpretations of the Scripture that were not faithful to the way, for example, Jesus summarized the greatest commandments. And we all know by now that Jesus, when asked what the greatest commandments are, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We also know, to be fair, that Jesus wasn't revolutionary with that understanding because in one of the Gospels, it's not Jesus who says this, it's a teacher of the law. So there is this understanding that the way we read the Scriptures, the instructions, the commandments, the laws, knowing that we are people whose minds wander, we ought to welcome them to wander in the way that Jesus explains them further. And what Jesus does for our wandering minds is tell us that we fill in the gaps on the things God tells us by looking at them in terms of loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbors ourselves, That's how we fill in the gaps. Now, the challenging part of that is, it means that every one of us living real lives in the real world will face different circumstances so that it's never, it's almost never quite so simple as saying, if this, then that. Typically, when we make these kind of categorical statements, if this, then that, then it's almost always to our own favor and not in the favor of the other. So Jesus doesn't condemn us for our minds wandering, but gives us examples and scenarios. You know you're not supposed to kill people. That's clear. But I say to you that everyone who is angry is in danger of judgment. But the good news before he finishes that is he says, if you bring your gift to the altar, so he's connecting this to the, to, to the worship of God. If you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there. Go and make things right with your brother or sister, then come back and deal with this. Make friends with your opponents. He's tying the first of these to the last of these. Because Jesus knows our minds are going to wander. And Jesus welcomes us as our minds wander, not to condemn ourselves for wandering minds, but to remember always that what we're called to think everything in terms of is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors ourselves. You know, honestly, I remember exactly where I was when I did that mental exercise of how long it would take to drink a swimming pool dry with a straw. I was sitting in Aldersgate United Methodist Church, not listening to the sermon. Please don't feel the need after the service to guarantee me you were listening to the sermon. It's not what this is about. But please, whenever you catch yourself this week letting your mind wander, let that be an invitation to remember to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength 
and to love your neighbors yourself. Please pray with me. Good and gracious, patient, faithful God, our minds wander. We know there are commands and commandments and instructions and rules, and some of them are not spelled out so specifically that we cannot but find loopholes and ways around them. So help us, God, as our minds wander and as we seek loopholes to remember that it all comes down to loving you and loving our neighbors as ourselves. And may we, as, as our minds wander, find new and creative and inspiring ways to love you and to love others. We thank you 